This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We don't usually do this, but uh, in fact, we never do this. But yesterday, um, we've been talking about this for a while. We're in Merit Hashem working very, very hard on opening a um, behavioral um, sort of rehab for Jewish girls. Um, so, because right now the, the Jewish nation doesn't have for Jewish girls a, a behavioral rehab or any rehab. It's, it's always um, um, non-Jewish rehab. So I felt, and I've spoken about this before, that um, our nation is so big and we, we have so many resources. Why do we have to send our girls to non-Jewish rehab? So we're trying to create this um, fantastic place. I was there today. I was in Utah yesterday. I was in Phoenix yesterday. Um, and um, it's, it's also in conjunction with equestrian therapy with, through horses. So there's a huge 10-acre um, horse farm um, on this premises that we're, we're trying to acquire. And um, so one of the, one of the, the um, rehabs that I've been the most, most impressed is a rehab in, um, called New Haven in, uh, in Utah. And um, their success rate is about 80 Eighty to eighty-seven percent. The normal success rate. The, the normal success rate in America in the rehabs is twenty percent. So the the, the 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 relapse rate in a regular rehab is eighty percent, and the relapse rate in this place is less than twenty percent. It's a it's a twelve-month place, but I've been really impressed. I've been there a few times. It's run by the Mormon Mormons, um, but their their system is absolutely amazing. So yesterday. I flew out to Utah um, and, and to Phoenix, Arizona. You should just know if you think it's hot here. And when I landed, it was 113 degrees in Phoenix. But they still have a minion, Mincha Mayriv, and people live there. I don't know, whatever. For whatever reason, they live there where it was 113 degrees. So it's, there's a colo there. There's young Israel. There's two young Israels. Very, very, very nice. It's very dry. It's, it's, it's desert. Um, so so we, went to, we went to Utah, a group of us, um, whether we're going to partner with them or we're going to be trained by them, that's still in the discussion. But I'm very, very impressed with with their work. So he said that most most places when we when we're doing this tour and speaking to the therapist, most places do therapy through speaking. You have groups and you speak. They do a lot of therapy hands on, actually hands on um, through kinetic kinetics whatever they call it. And so I said to him, what does that mean? Show me, you know, show me what you're doing. So they're also very much into um, relationships and contrary to a lot of other places, building the family. In other words, not taking the child away from the family. They're very religious, family-oriented people. But that for a person to to be cured, a, ter- a person to get better, you must bring them back to their religion, back to their culture, back to their family, which is why I'm very excited about what they do instead of telling the kid, like, you know, pull them away and separate them. So I said, you got to show me, like, I, 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 I've listened to what they do and I've been there many times, but you got to show me what this means that you do hands-on. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean hands-on? So he told me that they have a, sometimes they bring the parents in, right? So they have a whole group of parents in a room, in a circle, right? And then they do some hands-on therapy, um, you know, with the parents, with the kids, parents and kids um, sitting there. So I want to show you, I want to actually show you what they showed me yesterday. I was totally fascinated. 
I never slept, slept the two of them here tonight um, away from their families because I want I want to I want to show this to you. So Miriam, you got to zone in on this because we're going to do this on the carpet. It's, it's totally fascinating. He has no idea. This is my town. He has no idea what we want to do. So, so this is. Let me show you what they did. So you can turn around. This is the child that's that's in uh, in trauma that is going through hard, very very hard times. And um, today I'll be the mother, and my brother-in-law will be the will be the father. So now they have all these parents and kids circled around, and they're they're standing they're 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 in the middle. So you got to get down on him right, like that. Right. So here's here's the child, and I'm the mother, and that's the father. And they said we want you to hold on to him as hard as you can, right? Sort of to make sure he doesn't get anywhere. So I was holding him like this. He goes, is that what you would do with your child? I said, no, no, no. I would hold him really tight. Said, but, but he's falling. Like, how would you position your feet? So I said, well, this would not be a good position because if he pulls me, I'm going to fall. So I would go into... Oh, we need to speak or whatever. Okay, we got to do it again. All right, we're going to repeat what I just said. Sorry about that. They're wondering, what what, what are these people doing? Okay, so, so this was something I saw yesterday... Um, in Utah, I found it very, very fascinating in a group therapy setting, parents and children sitting around. This young man is the child that's going through the trauma. I'm the mother, and this is the father, and now everyone's watching this, and the mother and father's job is to make sure that the child doesn't fall. So they said to me, this is what we did yesterday, they said to me, hold on to your child. So I held on like this, and they said, that's not how you would hold on to your child. You would take two hands, you would hold on to to make sure that you don't lose him, and you would set your feet in a position sort of like this, you know, to give you that strength. So here we are, the two of us, in this position, holding him like this. Now they went ahead and asked everyone around the room, what do you see? What do you see when you look at this picture? Most of them see a child in pain and parents making it worse. Pretty, mu- pretty much not letting him move, not letting him do what he has to do, and pulling against him. He's trying to go that way, and this, I'm the mother, he's the father. We're like, no. So the kid's trying to go up to Derek, kid's coming up at four o'clock at night, and I'm fighting him, and I'm like, no, you can't, you have to go the other way, push the other way. You can't, you can't do that. So anyone that's watching this is saying, oh my gosh, look at this crazy struggle, parents against child. That's the picture of everyone got in the room. And I'm like, okay. And then he did something that was amazing. So I'm the mother. And the mother said to everybody in the room, you're right, what you see is what you see, but I want to tell you something you don't know. You see, right here is a cliff. Right here is a cliff. So now what am I doing? Am I fighting my child? Or am I saving his life? Wow, I was like, wow, thank you. I was like, wow. So the mother explained from her side that if there's a cliff in front of your child, if your child is in that position in that much trauma, then you have to hold on as tight as you can. So this lesson that they showed was not for the parents, but it was for the children. All the children in the room were like, 
when they reacted before the mother said what she had to say, all the children in the room were like, what mean parents? She's trying to move, she's trying to get room, she's trying to get space, she's trying to have a life, and look at them. They're pulling and they're tugging and they're constricting and they're, in the re- and they're restricting and they're not letting her go. But when the mother explained, but you don't understand, right in front of my child is a cliff. So it's not about restraining and hurting and, and, and being abusive to my child that I'm holding on and I'm like, you got to be home at 11 and you can't do these the activities that you're doing. It's not because I hate you. It's because if I let go, you're going to fall off the cliff. And I'm not going to let my child fall off the cliff. You have a, a shahaka right next to you. Amen, amen. So for me, it was... That's why I brought these two guys in here. For me, it was an eye-opening. And I just have to say that they, they, they got it. They, they know what they know what they're doing. So we're hoping that Mitzvah Hashem, they're going to help us do what we do, or somehow partner with us. Um, but I think that's a very big lesson. Now, my lesson from this, everyone here, right? That was their lesson. I walked out of there last night on the plane, coming home. I was thinking about this. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a much bigger lesson than what I just said to you. The lesson here is that this is our feelings of. By, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So many of us feel sneers, come on, restricting, and what you, what I can eat, and what I could say, what goes in my mouth, what comes out of my mouth, how I talk, that this whole religion of Yiddishkeit, Shem's pulling us back. He's always pulling us back. It's so hard, so restricting. And Hashem's saying, that's right. But guess what, my children? There's a cliff right in front of you. And if you don't keep these mitzvahs in, if I don't pull back and I don't hold you, the nation's going to fall off the cliff and there is no more cholesterol. So I took this picture in my head, how many people feel exactly what you just saw, is that that's what God does to us. He's holding us back and we're trying to, we're trying to assimilate. We're trying to be like all the other nations. And he's, he's pulling back and I'm, I'm trying to go. What a mean God. Look what he's doing. And Hashem's like, you don't, you don't see really what's going on because I'm holding you back because right here is a cliff. And if you're going to keep doing what you're doing, you're going to fall off the cliff. So I'm not letting go. No matter how painful you think it is, I am not letting go. That's the lesson I got yesterday. They didn't say that. I wasn't going to get into it with them. But that was the lesson, that was the lesson that I got yesterday. I also got a different lesson. At the end of this tour, so, um, they let us meet a couple of girls. So they sent us, they, they, they sent four girls into the room. And, um, you know, everyone's asking them questions, your trauma, your this, your that. But I, I waited till everyone finished their questions and I said to the four girls, um, before you came, now these are all 13 to 18 year old girls who, some of them are forced to come to this program. They have actually in Utah have the right to pick you up if you're not 18 years old and bring you by force so a lot of these girls have come into this this facility by force and they weren't very happy and I said to them what's the deal four girls I didn't know if they were Jewish I didn't know anything about them I said what's the deal with you and God because I like to always ask that question what were you like before you came here 
because before I would go partners with anyone, I want to know if they're doing sort of, if they're bringing their souls close. What were you there before and what, what are you now? So I asked the first girl, I said, what's your religion? She said, my mother's Catholic, my father's Protestant. I was like, so, so where were you? She goes, ah, I, I, I didn't believe. I didn't believe. I said, and how are you doing now? It's 11 months later. She says, there's no question. Here's a girl telling me this, right? There's no question that there's a creator. I don't know what you call him, but there's no question that there's a higher being. This world is too big to just have happened by itself. Right? Okay? Thank you. Next girl, tell me, what's your religion? I'm Jewish. Am I okay? Do you know anything about Judaism? Nothing. My parents, they don't, they don't, they don't practice nothing. I'm like, so, how was your, uh, how was your experience? So she said, also, because we all went through a lot of trauma, she said, I didn't understand there was a God, why do bad things happen? Tzadik Viralo, I didn't understand these things, she says, but, um, I've come to the realization, because when you get healthy, you can make that connection. When you're not healthy, you can't make that connection. She says, I, I, came, I came to the realization that, um, it's an organized world. Someone organized it. That was the word she used. Someone organized all this. It's so organized. It's so, everything fits into everything else. There has to be a creator. I said, okay, thank you. I came to the third girl. This was fascinating. I said, so what are you? She says, Catholic. I said, you believe? No, I didn't believe, she said. I said, so what happened? So, they have a room. That, no, they have a house. So, so the way it works is when you come to this place... So they don't trust you. Much they trust you. These are girls who run away, who ran away from school, ran away from home, hurt themselves. They, they don't trust you. So there's level one, level two, level three, level four, level five. As you gain their trust, they uh, let you leave the house. They don't watch you as much. Anyway. So there's a secluded house. A little teeny house. No air conditioning. Now I just want to tell you something that that is fascinating. There are 90 girls... Okay, in this system. No smoking, no drinking, no television, no computers, no phones. You know how long you have to be there? A year. And I sat there and I said, time out. No smoking, no drinking, no drugs, no phones. There's no phones there. No phones till you hit level five, which is usually in the tenth month. No phones, no television. They let them watch movies, but it's pre-picked movies as they watch as a group in each house. So I said to the girls and the four girls in the room, I'm like, "Are you kidding me? I couldn't get, I couldn't get them for a day. How are you living a year?" Now these are all kids that were doing all this other stuff, right? And they said, "When you're busy." When you're busy doing good stuff, and they do all kinds of different stuff, you're busy doing good stuff, you don't really, you really look at this technology as a waste of time. And socially, there's 26 girls in a house. I have my 26 friends, they're real. I'm thinking to myself, are you listening to my shirum? Like, hello, out in Utah? Right? And they're like, these are real friends. We have each other's back. We do each other's chores. There's no maid. The house is spotless. One girl has dishes that night, the next girl has, there's no maid, every bed is made, and I'm like, this is impossible. And the school, they have a school, because they're high school girls, the school is spick and span clean, each, there are three houses, each house, one day does, does a school, and everybody does their chores, 
and it's spotless. And what the girl said to me is, these are real friends, we have each other's back. And if one girl doesn't do her chores, then it affects another girl's chores. Because if you didn't clean up the stuff, then I can't sweep. <coughs> Unbelievable system. 90 girls, not a phone for a year. And they don't, they're, they're happy. They are really happy. Fascinating. Really, really fascinating. So, Allah has come, we can do it. There's nothing to talk about. So, this girl says to me, I got very close to God. I said, how long ago? Now she's there for, she's out, she's graduating for a year. She goes, just recently. I said, really? What happened? She said, so, there's this house, it's a secluded house, it has one bed, one bed, no television, no nothing, with a fan, and when you reach a high level, you can go, it's solitary, confinement, it's really what it is. It's called House of Solitude, I would go... Either I would write a great speech or I would go out of my mind. I'm not sure. Right? So it's called the House of Solitude. But it's not a, it's not if you, if you do something bad, you definitely don't go to the House of Solitude. House of Solitude is, is on the, is right by the road. Which means that we trust that girl that she's not gonna run away. In other words, you have your own house, you have a chair outside, you can sit, you can go in, you can read, right? But nobody's watching you. Which means we're giving you full trust. So it's not a punishment. If you get House of Solitude means you're a shishiva. Like you, you're the best. So she got House of Solitude. Now you can be there for one day, for two days, for three days, it's up to you. She decided she's going in for three days. Three days, no connection to the other girls, no, no radios, no nothing. It's you, and now this is Utah, so there's these mountains, beautiful mountains all around this campus, right? Like so in the middle of the mountains. Just what she tells me, this girl, not Jewish, Catholic. She says, so on the third day of this way to do solitude, she said, very fascinating what she said. She said, I realized how small I am. It took me three days to realize how small I am and how great and large he is. I was like, that is, I'm not going into the house for three days, but that is godless. And this is something that we have spoken about and like everything yesterday was what we have spoken about but here I saw it if you don't make time for yourself to think to go away from all the technology and even social life and everybody else if you don't take yourself away then you don't realize who you are so even though she felt very small Kineget Hashem right she also felt very empowered in other words, I'm very small, but I could do so much. But can I get him? I mean, you have to understand, you're, you're looking at these mountains, right? You're surrounded by these mountains. You're surrounded by a Kodesh Baruch Hu's Bria. And all of a sudden, you realize, when, you look, when you're surrounded by a Kodesh Baruch Hu's Bria, that, 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 you know what? I'm a little person in, in a very big world. And someone's controlling this very big world. That's how she found God. And the fourth girl was also a Jewish girl. So two out of four were Jewish. So... Um, it was very, 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 very fascinating day yesterday. So there was a lot. I learned a lot. And um, yeah, we need to spend some time with ourselves, away from all the gadgets. It can be done. And the more time we spend with ourselves, the healthier, the healthier we get. Of course, it was a, a very big tragedy. You all know the tragedy. Nobody's big enough to say why. You know, there's a lot of opinions, but nobody's big enough to say why. But 
you know, it has, I'm not saying it has to do with Shabbos, that Shabbos isn't kept well, but, you know, the two things, that there were yeshiva boys, and they were going home for Shabbos, and I think that we need to step up our Shabbos. That's not why it happened. I'm just saying, to step up our Shabbos, because there's three boys that, three less boys in the world to keep Shabbos, and three less boys in the world to sit and learn Torah. So, so we have to make up for that. They were, they were karbanos, they, we know that God doesn't judge in his Bezdem Shomayla, in his court in heaven, until someone's 20 years old. None of them made it to 20 years old, so they're, they're, they're 100% clean, Bali Avam, Bali Asham, because Shemayim, Bezdem Shomata, our Bezdem judges a person from when they're 12, a girl, and a 13, a boy. Bezdem Shomayla, you have to be 20 years old. None of them were 20 years old. So Hashem took three pure Kabanos, and, um, they're bigger than Yitzhak Avinu. Because Yitzhak Avinu stepped off the Mizbeach, they didn't. And um, the, the, the Chaim Vital brings down a whole story and that this mother wanted to see her child who also died, Al-Kiddush Hashem. And the Malach who so- showed her everything that was going on said, the child I can't take you to because where Hashem puts people who die, Al-Kiddush Hashem, the light, the, 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 the souls are so light that you can't, even in Shemayim, the Tzaddikim, can't look at them. So, they're in an unbelievable place, the three of them together. They're in an unbelievable place, that's for sure. We have to look into ourselves, every single person, and we have to make up for three three people who are learning Torah, and three Shabbosim, and all their children that would have learned Torah, and all their children that would have kept Shabbos. So that whole potential that's not realized, Kleishwell has to, you know, has to pick up. And there's no question there were three big tzaddikim, because, you know, According to what they're saying, they died right away, Mamash, when they were when they were, were hijacked, and for two weeks they didn't find their bodies. And it's usually a very big tsar for till the mace is buried. And and we specifically, Hashem didn't let us find their bodies for two weeks because Clydesdale needed to heal him so much to heal him, so many tears, so many w- women lit early. You know, three million uh, candles were lit the first Shabbos that they were missing. Because Baruch Hu specifically didn't let us find them because Klai Yisrael needed those two weeks of tefillah. We'll never know, maybe one day when Mashiach comes, what sakana we were in. But they specifically weren't found so that all that tefillah and all that davening and all the things that people were in Macabre. So not only did they sacrifice their lives, but they even sacrificed their kfura for Klai Yisrael. So these guys, these three... I don't know who they're, who they're Gilgal or who knows who they're from, where they are, but these three were very, very big tzaddikim. And um, we have to step up. Everybody has to step up. And there's a lot of hope and a lot of achdus in Klai for those two weeks. Um, there wasn't a minion where I went to Davin that after Davening there wasn't Shiramalos and Achenu, you know, Kobes Yisrael and people learning and, and women taking on and lighting candles. So HaKadosh Baruch who knows that even though we might have differences and uh, in opinion in many different ways, but when it comes to Kleistral and trouble, doesn't matter where you're from. Religious, not religious, doesn't make a difference. We pitch together. So he knows that if he brings Mashiach, we're all going to pitch together. So it's time. It's definitely time. The way they died, Yes, yeah, so rise and smoke. You're not allowed to speak, speak um, Lashon Haran on Eretz Yisrael. Which, um, not too, when, when, when were they kidnapped? Rashi Shlach was a miracle with Lashon Haran on Eretz Yisrael.
Okay, so Baruch Hashem, my 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 say my the book that Rabbi Finkelman and myself wrote um, is is done as I said, and it's coming out in Mitzvah Hashem, and I think we're up to about 180 200 uh, dedications for the days, and we named the book this week. So we didn't have a name for it, so we named the book this week. And I'd like to tell you the name, and I'd like to tell you why I named it. Why I named it this name. So, the first, and this week's parsha, by the way, parsha's Balak, the essence of the whole parsha, right? They hired this guy to curse us. That's not the essence. The essence of the parsha is our karsatov, is gratitude, is recognition of gratitude, and it's it's unbelievable the probably one of the strongest points of, of Hakar Satov is, is in Pasha Balak. But I want to tell you the first mention of Hakar Satov in the Torah. So when Hashem created the world on the third day, it says that He created grass and He created trees and He says that He saw I'm sorry, the fifth day. Um, no, the third day. No, the third day. The third day, it grew but and the land gave out uh, vegetation, right? The Eitzay Sapri and trees gave fruit. And Hashem saw that all this vegetation and fruit and vegetables and flowers was good. And then, a little bit later, after it talks about Shabbos, it says, Eilat told us right? And it says, the Siyach HaSadeh, and um, all the grasses of the field, right? All the all the greenery. Wasn't there yet. And this is after Shabbos, after the seventh day. Wasn't there yet. All the flowers of the field didn't bloom. Because God did not bring rain. So nothing grew. And human being wasn't here yet at this point to work the ground. So Rashi asks, what are you talking about? The Torah tells us on the third day, grass grew, flowers grew, Hashem, fruit grew, Hashem said it's good. Now you're telling me nothing was here. Nothing grew. So it bothers Rashi very much. So here's the first time the mention of Akar Tov. So Rashi says, the reason nothing grew yet was because it didn't rain. Why? Because the human being wasn't yet here to work in the field. Ready? Here we go. Um, and he didn't recognize the good of rain. He didn't realize, he didn't have a karsat tov, that, because there was no human being here, and therefore Hashem said, if there's no karsat tov, I'm not, why, why should I, um, why should I have things grow? So what it says here is that when, when what, what the Mepharshim says is that when the human being came into the world, so Hashem made it rain, and when it rained, all the green that had grown on the third day, which was at the surface of the earth, right, broke the surface, so, so it took two seconds, it rained, and all of a sudden, the whole earth was, was full of trees and flowers and bushes. So it all grew on the third day. It grew from the ground. 
till the surface, and it was waiting, and the minute rain came, boom, it was there. So it took, that, that's what happened. Third day, it all grew to the surface, didn't break surface, it rained. So, we see from here that the potential happened on the third day. The growth happened after it rained. Now, it says that there was a person in this world to be Makir Tov. So that it sounds like Rashi is saying that Hashem needed a thank you. So why am I going to do plants and fruits and flowers if there's nowhere there to say thank you? So I'm going to wait till there's a person, then I'm going to do it. Hashem doesn't need thank you. Hashem doesn't need thank you. So this is the godless of the Rashi. Let me tell you what Rashi is really saying. Rashi is saying like this. Hashem doesn't need thank you. But you as a human, you to, to, to have potential to grow, you have to have a curse of Hashem. Hashem doesn't need to thank you. But the person themselves has to say thank you. So, if the man would have been born, and all the vegetation would have been grown, it wasn't done for him. It was there already. He got there and it was there already. He would not have a karsatov. If he would not have a karsatov, he cannot become Adam. He cannot grow. So it wasn't, it wasn't shot, it wasn't shot that Hashem needed to thank you. But Hashem said, I'm going to make everything ready. But a human being without a karsatov is nothing. He has no potential. So he's going to need to ask for rain. To be able to say thank you, because if he, if he says thank you, he will grow. And that's how a human being grows. So the first time, and that's why Hashem was so angry, because the essence of the person was, to have, the first time, it was an interaction, was him to have a korsatov. Because he stood there, and it was all brown, it was all earth. And he dived for rain, and all of a sudden, boom, he was like, wow, thank you Hashem, right? And what happened when, when Hashem gave him chava? He said, he was a kofitov. He said, oh, the woman that you gave me? So Kishmoku said, your punishment is that you're off for the whole thing. And the whole thing I created the world and had everything ready for you. So that you should ask for rain, so you should have a karsatov, was for growth. But if you're not going to grow, if you're not going to grow and you're going to say that my wife that you gave me, you're going to be a kafoy tov, well, you're, you're not, so then, so then you're off for So then, so then the whole thing that I did, the whole adama, the whole growth in the world is nothing because from a person who doesn't have appreciation, who doesn't have gratitude, Nothing can grow. So I decided that this is the first Rashi that talks about Hakar Satov. And at this point, there was no rain in the world. The only reason God brought rain was so that man should say thank you. So at this point, there was no rain, so the, the things were all there, but it didn't, they didn't pop through the surface. So there was no rain in the world. So the name of this book on Hakar Satov is, And Then There Will Be Rain. There is a person on the world to have a karsatol. But the, the name of the book is, and then, and, the, and there shall be rain, something like that. And then there, there will be rain, because there was no rain until, until a person was on this world to have a karsatol. And we know that rain resembles, without rain there's no growth, there's no water, the world is kaput, goodbye. So, so that's, that's the name of the book, and um, I think that really it's Mitz Hashem, it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be a game changer. And whoever, whoever would like a page, we don't have many pages left, and I feel very bad because once somebody takes, um, I can't give them, and some people have the same day, and I apologize. It's a shame, well, there'll be another book. So I just want to tell everyone the phone number again. If you want to take a page, it's 917-444-7555. And, um,
It doesn't have to be for someone who passed away. You can do for yourself. It can be for good things. It doesn't have to be Lizeth Nishmas. Anniversary, birthday, whatever it is. If you can, it helps us. It's also there forever because Mitzvah Shem, this book will be there forever. And every person that learns it, it's, it's it, you know, you'll, the person who wrote it with me, who really wrote it, a lot, a lot of it is, is, is Rav Shimon Finkelman. Rav Shimon Finkelman is a Rebbe, a Tamachacham, a Tzaddik. He called me up and said, I want you to know, I fin- we finished the book. He said, I thought I had a Karsatel before I read this book. Now I, now I understand, I did not understand. You're talking about a big Tamachacham. Because now it's a, it's a, it's a change it's a life changer for me. So Amir Hashem, I, I you know I hope that it, it will help it'll help all the relationships, father you know children and parents and specifically us and Akash Baruch you you have to um, you have to appreciate everything you have to appreciate your children you have to appreciate your children that um, that they come home for Shams can't take that for granted you have to you have to appreciate that your children grow up and. And get married. You have to appreciate every moment of life. We have learned the hard way that that you can't take anything for granted. And and therefore, you know, a mother said to me, she said she was very broken about what just happened. And she said, I just have to tell you something that I learned something very important from this whole thing. She said, I have a son that's off the derech, and I'm going through very, very, very hard times. But Wallstein, I thanked Hashem this morning. I have a son. Even though he's off the derech, I have a son. And he's walking and he's breathing and he's alive and he has potential and something can happen. She said, I never appreciate just the opposite. I said, God, why'd you give me this kid? He's making me miserable. He's making us crazy. We don't sleep. She said, I gave him a hug. I gave him a hug. I haven't given him a hug in a long time. I'm like, you're alive. That's all. That's enough. That's enough. You have to learn from this. Don't take anything for granted. That's... That's the core of Akar Satov. That's the core of recognizing good, even in, in hard times. The core is to be able to recognize good. Okay, it's very sad. It's a very sad for it. It's a very sad day for Klai You have to learn from it. If you don't learn from it, then it's, then, then it's wasted. They're okay. I promise you. Where they are, I don't know, you should not, you know, no one has to give up their life. Where they are is so far up there, forget about it. If you could see them in the next world, you're you're next to the Kisar cover. That's how far they're there. If you look at any safer, a story like this. There's nothing to talk about. Bury them together, they're, 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 those neshamas are together. Forever. Forever, forever, forever. We have to grow. We have we have to learn. Alright, let me go to Pasha Bullock. The donkey. The donkey. One time I said something in class, and it wasn't really smart, and my Rebbe said, Hashem is pia awesome. You know what that means? Hashem opened the mouth of the donkey. A little bit embarrassed. But I had it coming to me, because if you know what I said, right? Anyway, so this is my favorite pas- And my Rebbe didn't even know that Pasha Bolak is my Bar Mitzvah. This is my Bar Mitzvah Pasha. So I know, I know this Pasha very, very well. So, the Mishnah says, you're not supposed to laugh, but okay. It was okay. It happened to have been funny. It was fine. So, it says in this week's parasha, we all know that Bilam got hired. Um, he got hired by by Balak to curse us. But I want to go to something which is absolutely amazing. I spoke about this years ago. Listen carefully to this story. Sweet parasha. Everyone learned this sweet parasha. It's a tough parasha because there are parasha we call them the 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 yisaimim, 
Why are they called Yisraelim, the orphans? Because the Pashas in the summer, nobody learns them because they're not in school. So like Balak and these Pashas, in school my, grand, my grandkids come home, they're like, they have their Pasha sheet, but there's like eight Pashas, July and August, kids are not in school. So you don't really know these Pashas as good as you know, Be'era, Bo, Bishalach. So there's a story in this week's Pasha, which is very, very important. So Bilam was the biggest Russia in the world. He was the most powerful Navi of the Goyim. And he was a very, very, very powerful Russia. He was so powerful that he knew Hashem's anger moment and he could, of course, Kaisal, he could have destroyed us if Hashem didn't get him off. So you have to understand, he had the power, if Hashem didn't change it, Hashem, listen carefully. I, I just saw this in a safer this week. If you want to know how powerful Bilam was, Hashem didn't let him curse us and say, I'll break the curse. Right? Some, some, he's cursing the Jews. Big deal. Hashem will break the curse. He was so powerful that if he cursed us, we would have been destroyed. So Hashem had to make his curse into a bracha. So it's not like he cursed us and Hashem got rid of the curse. Hashem didn't let him curse us. Because if he would have cursed us, it would have affected us. That's how big this guy was in Tumor. Okay? He was married. I'm not going to get into it. He was married to his donkey. That was his wife. Because to get the power of the Tumor, he had to be the lowest of the low in Tumor. He was married to this donkey, the Medrash says. This was his wife. Okay. So now he's on this donkey and there's a Malach. There's a Malach in front of them. And the Malach has a sword. Right? The Malach has a sword. Let's, let, let's learn inside. Patera Asana is a Malach. Hashem, this Navi didn't see the Malach. But the, the donkey saw the angel, Nita Baderech. He's standing in the middle of the way. The Chabot Shlufa Biyado. And he's holding a sword. So the sword's out. He's holding a sword. So the donkey wants to save Bilam. This was the first donkey that went off the derech. Okay? They wish could have opened the school for donkeys off the derech. Right? He went off the derech. He went into the field. He went off the road and he went into the field. Oh, Bilam said... What's this? My donkey's off the derech. He started to hit him with his stick. To put him back on the road. So, now he's trying to get him back on the road. Ha <laughs> the malachs, yeah, right? So the malach stood in the path of the vineyards. A fence to one side, a fence to the other side. So the donkey couldn't go. So now the donkey saw the angel again. So what was he supposed to do? He tried to squeeze by the angel. And he tried to squeeze by. And he squeezed Bilam's leg into the wall. He hit the donkey again. The Malach again blocked them after he got past them. But Malcolm saw in a very, very narrow place. The, the donkey couldn't go right or left. And the donkey saw the Malach Hashem in front of him. But Tirbat's Tachas Bilam, he sort of, um, um, he crouched, like he went down. Because he saw the Malach holding a sword. So now the donkey went down on all four. Right? He went down. Now Bilam got really angry. So the first time the donkey went off. The second time the donkey squeezed his leg. The third time the donkey bent down. Made him uncomfortable. Right? He went down. So he hit him again with the stick. That's it. And Hashem opened the mouth of the donkey. Now, 
lady. What? So it says in the Mishnah in Perak Hay that Hashem created the mouth of the donkey to be able to talk. Ben right before Shabbos. There were ten things created. So this was after the creation of the world, right before Hashem stopped creating, He created the mouth of the donkey. Now, what should this donkey tell Bilal? One time he went off the dirt, the second time he squeezed his leg, the third time he went down. So he should say to Bilal, what are you doing? Stop hitting me. Don't you see the angel? Right? He's standing in front of us with a sword. Meshuggah. If I'm going to go, we're both going to get killed. And then, he would have said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't see the, I don't see the malach. Wow. You saved me. Thank you. I love you. You saved my life. Right? That's what the donkey, that's what I would have told him. Like, what are you, crazy? You keep hitting me? Meshuggah. Don't you see the malach? Donkey never mentions the malach. Never says why he went off the derech. Never says why he crouched. Never says why he squeezed Bilaam's leg. What does he say? Now Hashem has made a creation that an animal could speak like a human. That's a huge creation. It's a huge miracle. So now, something very important has to come out of this donkey's mouth. This is what he says. What did I do to you? What did I do to you that you just beat me up like this three times? By Yomer Bilam Lawson, and Bilam said to the donkey, Kiyasalafi be, you mocked me. In other words, you, you, you squeezed my leg, you, you, you bent down, you went up the derrick, you're, like, you're making a fool out of me. So I hit you. You're lucky I have a stick in my hand, he said. If I would have a sword in my hand, said Bilam, I would have killed you. So he's telling this donkey, now, this donkey just spoke to him. And now he's telling him, you know, the donkey's speaking to him, right? And he says, you know what? You're lucky. You're lucky. I hit you about three times. If I would have had a sword, I would have chopped your head off. Now at this point, girl, at this point, for sure, tell him! Now he's, telling, he's threatening you. If I would have had a sword, I would have killed you. Really, would have killed me? If you would have had a sword? Well, guess what? There's a Moloch right in front of us, and he has a sword! If I was the donkey, that's what I would tell him. End of case. Not a word. Even after, he's telling him, he's threatening him, but you, you donkey, I would have chopped your head off, right? He doesn't tell him that there was a Moloch. He gives him the biggest lesson in the world. Because the only, Hashem would only open the mouth of a donkey to tell us something amazing that maybe from a human being you wouldn't listen to but if a donkey says it to you and you realize that it's coming from God because a donkey doesn't talk you might listen so the donkey still doesn't say one word even though he says if I had a sword I would have said if you would have had a sword you would have maybe fought the mala because we have an angel standing in front of us with a sword so what is, what is the answer? he says the following by time of us and Abilam aren't I your donkey that you rode on from the beginning of time till this day? Have I ever been accustomed to do something like this to you? Have I ever done this before? And Bilaam said, no, you've never done this before. You've always been there for me. And the measure says the donkey died. You will not see anything about the donkey anymore. Hashem removed the, the, the darkness that Bilaam could not see the Malach. Now we can see the Malach. 
he revealed the Malach, Vayaras HaMalach Hashem Nizam Baderech, he saw the Malach, Vachabu Shlufu Biyodoy, Vayikar Vishaku Apov, and he bowed down to the Malach. Vayami Alamalach Hashem HaMalach, he says, Asayin Chazer Shoshri Olam, why did you hit your donkey three times? Anayichi Yatzatzi L'Satan, I was standing in his way, because at this point, the donkey never told him that there was a Malach. Kiyoran Aderech Anayichi, Matirani also, and the, and the donkey saw me by Tate Lafonai Jelashash Ragolam, and he tried to get away from me the three times. Ula, not to me, Panai. Had he not gotten away from me, I would have killed you, and I would have let the donkey live. Because the donkey understands code. The donkey understands gratitude. So the donkey said to Bilam, when he opened his mouth, he didn't say, Malach Shmalach. He said, what is wrong with you? I have always been there for you. So if I'm not there for you now, why aren't you thinking that something must be going on? If I always serve you soup and it's hot, right? For 40 years, you serve your husband soup that's hot, and one night, you give him cold soup. So you should throw it in your face? You should say, Shefala, you always serve me hot soup. What's going on? Is, is, do they turn off the gas? Is there, is there something wrong, Right? Not yell at her and scream at her because I have a track record. So where's our karsatov? If I'm doing something wrong, it must be that something is going on. So his taina, his whole taina to Bilam is, why did you hit me? I've always been there for you. So if I'm not there for you right now, why aren't you thinking, oh my God, this donkey's always here for me. If he's not here for me, something's going on. But instead, you threaten me and tell me you're going to chop my head off. So the malach said to Bilam. Your donkey, who didn't tell you, who didn't say one word that I was standing in the way, he only talked about like, hello, I've been there for you all your life, what, why are you doing this? He understood Akar Satov, he should live. You? You? You don't understand anything about Akar Satov. You should die, I should have let it live, and I should let you die, but instead the Malach killed the donkey, and let him live. Now, what do you think this Russia? He just got a nice schmooze, right? What's his, gonna, what's his reaction after the Malach tells him this? Listen to this. Because the person who is a kafwe toe, the person who is unappreciative, you can't, it's very hard to break it. They don't see it. It's your job. You have to do this. You have to do that. So let, listen to what happens. So now Bilam says to the Malach. Now the Malach said, I should have killed you and let the donkey live, right? You're right, I've sinned. Now I thought he was going to say, I shouldn't have hit my donkey. He's a good guy. I didn't see you. What's his sin? What's his Russia sin? I didn't know. My sin is. I didn't know that you were standing there. And, 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 and if you want me to go back, I'll go back. Nothing about the donkey. He doesn't say my sin is that I hit my donkey and I threatened it. I didn't realize I should have had a karsato. No, he's a kafri toe. So you know what my sin was? I didn't see you. That's not what the Malach said. The Malach didn't say to him, that you, you, you're a bad guy because you didn't see me? I didn't reveal myself. You're a bad guy because why did you hit your, why did you hit your donkey? He was always there for you. Even after the whole speech, he goes, you know what? You're right. Katasi, I sinned. I should have seen you. So didn't get it. So didn't get it. The person's a coffee toe. Person's ungrateful. It's a very hard thing to break. And that's why we're trying to train the world now. We're trying to change this. It's a generation of very ungrateful people. We're ungrateful. We don't appreciate what we have. I'm talking about myself, not you. It's a very hard thing to do. It's a very hard thing. He gets his whole schmooze, 
And I, oh, okay, so I guess the problem was that I, I didn't see the car. I didn't see the other car. That must be what's, that must be what happened. Like, listen, I let you go through, the, I let you go first. I let you go through the tunnel first. I let you do all that, whatever it is. And like, and you hit me. Why'd you do that for? And he's like, oh, I'm really sorry. Not, I'm sorry that you're such a nice guy and you did it all for me and I hit you anyway. So, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you. Hello? That's what happened here. Now I'm going to tell you one step more and then we'll, we'll let you go. So, the whole creation of the opening of the mouth, of the opening of the mouth of the donkey was the words that Hashem put in the donkey's mouth. I have always been there for you and therefore if it's not good right now, there must be a reason. Now, what do you think? You think that this story is about a donkey? And you think this story is about Bilam? If Hashem made a donkey talk, it's God talking. And God is saying these words. God is saying, Haven't I been there for you? Have I been accustomed to do such a thing to you? Do I always give you pain? This word of God coming out of the donkey's mouth was not for Bilam and the donkey. Bilam with the Russia, you're not changing Bilam. It's for us. Hashem didn't create a donkey being able to talk for a Russia. He created a Benash Mashat Arab Shabbos for a donkey to talk in Pasha's Bullock to all of us. If I give you life, the ability to see, the ability to think, the ability to breathe and to smell and have all the five senses that a human being has. And I've given food and taste and everything else to you. If something is going wrong, stop hitting me. Stop hitting me. Stop saying I don't believe in you and I'm this. Stop hitting me. Because I've always been there for you and something changed. There must be a reason. There must be something. This is exactly what this whole story is a parable. There must be something that you don't see. There's a Malach standing for you don't see. Bilam didn't see. So he thought, there's something wrong with my donkey. What are you doing this to me for? We say, Hashem, how can you do such a thing? I got text after the three boys were found. How can Hashem do such a thing? How can Hashem do such a thing? And I'm like, what kind of question is that? Who brought those three boys into the world? Who fed them, took care of them all these years? Who brought them into the world? So if he brought them into the world, and he brought us all into the world, for whatever reason, we don't see the Malach standing. We don't see it. But stop hitting the one who takes care of you all the time. That's the message of Pasha's Balak. It's not to a donkey. Hashem didn't make a donkey talk for Bilam. Bilam didn't change. Then God did something. He wasted his time. He made a donkey talk. And at the end, Bilam said, I don't feel bad about that. I feel bad I didn't see the Malach. So you made a creation in the world. Hashem knows what's going to happen. He made a creation in the world to teach someone a lesson who didn't learn a lesson? No way. No way. This is a lesson for us. And Hashem says, haven't I been there for you? So if I'm not there for you right now in your eyes, it's just because you don't see the Malach. Because I didn't, I didn't reveal it to you. You don't see that. But, but stop hitting, so to say, the donkey. So we'll end 
And then I got to run back to the a very beautiful wedding. We'll end with an unbelievable little teeny medrash in this week's parsha. So why did Hashem kill the donkey? Immediately. So there's two medrashim. One says, if he, let the, if he let the donkey live, then they would have made it into an, an Avedizara, a talking donkey, right? They even made a television show, right? A talking horse, right? Because it was a talking donkey, they made it, Mr. Ed, right? So they made a television show, a talking horse, because they had a talking, right? All of a sudden, all the horses can talk, and donkeys can talk. So if there was this donkey that could talk, everybody would bow down to it, right? So that's one measure, but there's a different measure that says something. It's in the Medjistan Chumah, if you want to look it up, this week's Pasha. The Medjistan Chumah says, that Hashem had pity on Bilaam. Now Bilaam was the biggest Russia. He came to curse Hashem's children, right? You have to understand who he was. To curse us and destroy us. And then he brought the, the Zionists from Moab. He was the biggest lowlife in the world. The Medrash says, why did Hashem kill the donkey? Because if the donkey would be alive, everybody would point to the donkey and say, that's the donkey that chastised, that criticized the great prophet Bilaam. All the Goyim would make fun of Bilaam by, look, a donkey opened its mouth and criticized him. So the Medrash says that Hashem felt Rachmanis, that Bilaam shouldn't be embarrassed, so he killed the donkey. Yeah? Hashem felt imba- that, that the Bilaam who's going to curse us, he's the biggest Racha, the biggest anti-Hashem in the world, Hashem said I have to kill the donkey because people are going to go around saying, look, Bilaam's donkey, he made him look bad, he chastised him. So the Medrash says, Al-Achas Kama Vakama, surely, if God was worried about Bilaam's feelings that people are going to make fun of him right because the donkey chastised him how many times surely we have to be so careful not to hurt other people's feelings if Hashem's worried about a Russia's feelings from a Hamar how careful Hashem must be very very strict about a, a, a person's feelings a good person's feelings a Jewish person anybody's feelings if surely Bilaam so he killed the Hamar which was the biggest, was one of the biggest miracles. And I, this is a shot that I don't know, I don't know if it's true. There was another P. In, in the ten things that Hashem created, there was a P.R.S. Hashem created P.R.S. in the mouth of the donkey and the mouth of the earth that swallowed up who? That swallowed up Kairach. And the P, and the P of the earth that Cain and Hevel, right, that Hevel was swallowed up. I think both of them are very connected to Hakar Satov. Because the reason Cain killed Hevel was because his carbon wasn't accepted, and, and Hevel's carbon was accepted, and Hashem said to him, he would have waited, right? would have accepted yours also. So he had no Akaras Atov, and he killed him. What was Kairach Savero? Kairach Savero was, he was a lady. And he came to, and he came to Moshe Rabbein, who said, I want to be a Kohen. What was Moshe's answer to him in the Torah? Why aren't you happy enough with being a lady? A lady is a much higher Kedusha than a Yisrael. Why aren't you happy with taking apart and carrying the Mishkan? You have a fantastic job. Why aren't you happy with that? And he said, Kulam Kedoshim, we're all equal. We deserve to be Kohanim also. So the basis of Korach was he was a Kafri Tov. He was a Levi and didn't appreciate it. No, that's not enough, I want more. So the Pia Asan was a lesson in Akar Satov and the Pia Aretz that swallowed up Korach Vadasai was also a lesson. You should have been happy with being a lady. Had you been happy, the whole Korach situation wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened. So Korach and, and both these stories are very, very connected. The PR, again, I didn't see this anywhere. This is just in my head. That the PRS and the PR Asan were both based 
and, and I have my Akaras HaTov glasses on, so everything I look at, right, has, but, but seriously, they're both based on Akaras HaTov. Akaras Baruch is very mocked, he's very strict, and, and that people that we should have Akaras HaTov for each other, and, and have Akaras HaTov for ourselves. Akaras HaTov for yourself means appreciating who you are, don't get depressed, and don't give up on yourself. You have to appreciate, it's very, it's very interesting, because when I spoke to the Mormons, they were all in the room, and I said, I wrote a book. And they're like, whoa, Rabbi, you wrote a book. What's the book called? I'm like, Gratitude. And they said, I really wanted to call it Gratitude, not Attitude, but when the, it wasn't the cover that they, that they wanted, but that's my feeling. You have to have gratitude, not an attitude. Everybody has an attitude. You owe me, I owe you, you don't owe me, I don't owe you. Right. But anyway, but that's not the cover of the book. So I, I said to them, I said, Gratitude. They said, why did you write a book on gratitude? I said, because... I think it's a relationship changer. I think every relationship, if it's based on gratitude, is a healthy relationship. So the head guy says to me, but also the relationship of the person and himself. He says, a person and themselves. You have to appreciate who you are. You have to appreciate Hashem created. You have to appreciate who you are. Appreciate who you are, you're not going to get depressed. You appreciate your abilities and what Hashem gave you and your talents. A person has to appreciate. You can't appreciate someone else if you don't appreciate who you are. It always starts with Hafta. And I told them, there's a chapter, there's a, there's a passage that says, You have to love your friend as much as yourself. And Mepharshim say, Who, Who's that friend? You. You have to love your friend as much as yourself. Your best friend, Kamocha, is you. Nobody knows you better. Nobody knows your good parts and your bad parts better. And it's very important. And that, that girl, three days in, in solitude, so to say, she found herself. And when she found herself, she realized how small and how great, but also how great. And that's one of the things that I want to leave you off with tonight. You have to spend time with yourself and everyone who's watching this. There is a place in Utah where there are 90 girls for a year. No iPhones, no internet, no social uh, technology, no television. And they're alive. They've got horses. They climb mountains. They live in God's world. And that's what we need to start doing. Anyway, everyone should have a tzlacha and bracha and... Um, we should only hear Simchus and we should see these three wonderful Sadiqim, Betchias HaMesim, Karav. Thank you for coming out in this storm and uh, enjoy. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.